Greetings, horror fans, and welcome to episode 233 of Frightmares. I'm your host, Austin Proctor, and joining me today is my good buddy, Mikey Manshot. Hello, uh, Frighteners. Frighteners. Forgot, forgot what I called him last time. <laughs> Frighteners, yes. Uh, how are you doing today, good sir? I know I just asked you that before we went on air, but I'm asking you again. I'm doing good. I made a list of movies that I need to watch because like, I feel like sometimes I don't take the time to watch movies for myself. I usually just watch them for shows and episodes. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes I feel like I miss out on the new stuff. So I'm excited because I know Slasher's podcast, we're going to do a best of 2023. And I was like, well, I guess I should watch some movies from 2023. <laughs> and I made a little list of movies that I feel could be in the running of, you know, top five or 10 of 2023. And okay. I'm spending some time watching them, even the ones that I don't want to. But I'm enjoying it because I'm finally taking time to do something for myself. That's nice. It's always good to do some things for yourself. What what kind of I think I remember you sending it over, but I can't remember what exactly is on your list. So what what movies do you have that you have not seen? Um, if I remember correctly, so obviously Exor Exorcist Believer. I haven't seen that. Okay. Um, Malum, which is the remake of The Last Shift by the same people. <laughs> same dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, I already saw that, but I'll hold my review for later on that one. Um, and we have, there's some little ones that I know aren't going to be the best, but if it had some sort of popularity, like Jester's on there and what else? Oh yeah. Jester. That, that, that's the one that like, it reminded me of, uh, Art the Clown. Um, is that one streaming yeah. anywhere? I wonder. Um, I'm looking for your list in the group chat. I don't even fucking see it. What the hell? That's because everybody always sends a bunch of stupid <laughs> shit when I'm trying to take things very seriously. <laughs> I don't see it. It's, I'm going through all the pictures. I don't even see it. This is bullshit. It's okay. I'll pull it up. Okay. So on my letterbox, which if you followed me at Mikey and the T-Rex, you'd be able to see it. Not you. Your listeners. Um, I had listuses and everything. 2023 horror. I need to catch up on Exorcist, Believer, No One Will Save You, Saw X, Haunting in Venice, Malum, There's Something Wrong with the Children, Don't Look Away, Dear David, Dark Harvest, VHS 85. Yeah, my eyes are bad. And a foreign one that is probably not going to be that great, but I just would wanted to see it because I see it on Netflix called Phenomena. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, f I forgot you. it was a screenshot of the letterbox list. But yeah, Phenomena looks like it's going to be some sort of, uh, looks like a Spanish soap opera from the uh, the title card. Yeah, it, I think <laughs> that is kind of what it is. It's three middle-aged women investigating paranormal events. I Ooh. think it's like kind of a comedy, but, you know, sometimes I just want to watch a movie about uh, middle-aged women doing stuff. Don't we all, right? Um, it's like a spooky uh, First Wives Club. <laughs> there's there's actually a few on there that I hadn't even heard of, which I'm surprised of. Uh, like phenomena I hadn't heard of. Don't look away. There's something. There's something wrong with the children. Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. Something yeah. wrong with the children. And those are all from this year. I'm usually I try to keep up as much as I can, but there is definitely been yeah right there. Uh, where's that one streaming? It's oh it's on Prime. Okay, so most of these are <laughs> streaming. I know. Dear David, I'm not sure if that I think you have to pay for that. I think one. that's video on demand. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've been excited for, but apparently it does not have great reviews, but I mean, I don't care. I'm, I still want to, to see it. Um, yeah, that one looks like it's on Amazon and voodoo to rent. But if you don't know about dear David, it's that, um, did you actually, did you see where the, like the, the story originated from that guy, Adam Ellis, did you see his whole yeah. journey? Oh my God. That is the creepiest shit. Um, it is. So he was, I believe a Buzzfeed, writer yeah. and he's like an artist too yeah he's an illustrator and you've probably seen some of his stuff because a lot of people like to steal it and use it he has a very unique style mm -hmm. and i was reading it all and i was like first of all i think this guy's gay so automatically i'm in <laughs> um so they better keep him gay in the movie or i'll be very upset and cry hate crime but um yeah now he draws uh naked people on only fans i think what yeah, That's a he's thing? like, or maybe it's Patreon. He draws like, you know, he's always drawing stuff and he's a handsome guy. And there was one time on Twitter, he was like, if I reach a hundred thousand followers, I will draw my dick. <laughs> and, but it was like on Patreon or something. And, oh yeah. my, I have to find that. Um, <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> um, 
Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm trying to catch up on some things too as well. I know uh, I'm trying to. I think me and Gabby are going to watch Suitable Flesh tonight because it's a Joe Lynch movie that I've been excited for. Although Aid did not seem to like it, so I'll see where I stand on. Usually, I don't know. We usually have different opinions, so I might love it, but who knows? I might hate it as well. Uh, oh yeah, did you catch all the shit I was throwing at you my last episode? No. Okay, then don't listen to it. Why? Don't listen to the Thanksgiving episode. Oh, no. What did you say to me? I haven't caught up on that one yet. I've just thrown you under the bus a couple of times, but it's fine. (sighs) That's okay. I can. I was talking about some new movie. What movie was it? I was like, let me guess. Was it a skin and a ring jab? Are we still are we still throwing me under the bus for that? (laughs) No, I forgot about that, but we'll bring that back. Oh, yeah. um, Perfect. It was some movie that I think it just came out and you liked it. And I was like, I've heard really bad things about it. Austin likes it, but Austin also likes everything. Um, it's true. That was the first. That was the first uh, stray that you were hit with, and then the second one was something similar. I forgot. Uh, oh, was it Sloth? Was it Slother House? Was that mm, the one? No, it was I, something else. I love that one. It's so cheesy. Oh my goodness. Um, the only other thing I watched. Re- oh, Project Eerie. Was it that? Mm-mm. Damn it! Hell House. No. Hell House LLC Origins. No. Oh my goodness! I give up. When evil lurks. No, that was that's a good movie. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, that's the only thing I've seen recently besides Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, which was really not that great. Um, oof! I did a review on that on my TikTok. Not that great of a movie. Was very excited for it, and they kind of just pfft, not that great. Oh, I also threw shade at you because your Thanksgiving review. Aid was like, "Did you see Austin's review?" And I was like, "Who didn't? It's like five <laughs> pages long and took up my whole newsfeed." I'm part of it. <laughs> I'm part of a, uh, a group on Facebook that they do horror reviews. So I was like, you know, then the, all theirs are like ten pages long. I was like, I guess I got to step up my review game. Um, I, mean, I, also, I guess. I guess so. Uh, but yeah, Thanksgiving was great. I don't even think we've talked about that on this episode. Did you see it? I can't remember. Oh yeah, I saw it. I loved it. Oh, it was so good. Um, it lives up to the hype, and it's actually making a pretty decent amount of money. People are calling for like sequels, and I'm like, can we not? That's something that just needs to be a standalone. We don't need like. I don't need a sequel to that. That was a great just one-off movie. I mean, if Eli Roth wants to come back and do another one, I'm not going to say no because it's Eli Roth. But um, I, I just don't think yeah. that's – Yeah, I don't think we need like a trilogy or anything like that. Plus, what are they going to do? The killer was revealed at the end and the, you get the twist and I don't know how you could you know, go off of that. So let's just, yeah, let's just it was, leave nice um, things alone. I think people are just they – want, they want something to kick off that's not Scream because people True. are kind of upset about Scream right now, which I oh, get yeah. it. I'm like, I'm over it. Like I said before, I'm toxic. I'd rather see this drama unfold and the movie crumble to pieces and see what actually happens next. Well, that's a perfect segue into the horror news then because that was on my list to talk about because uh, Melissa Barrera was dropped from Scream 7. Um I don't know. It was over a tweet that was apparently interpreted as anti-Semitic. I don't know the details of. I have no idea. But if it was so, my stance is this. If it was something that was rude, obnoxious, degrading, anti-Semitic, then, you you know, that's kind of what that's kind of what happens when you're a celebrity. You're going to you say stupid shit. You're going to get fired. Although if it was mistakenly taken as something that was not actually rude, I think she was standing up for. I don't I exactly I don't exactly know, but she got dropped. So now the main star of Scream Seven is gone. So great. I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do beyond that point. And then it was announced a few days later that Jenna Ortega dropped out due to scheduling conflicts with uh, Wednesday, which I'm calling bullshit on because it's. I think she dropped out in solidarity of Melissa Barrera being fired. Because why would it just come up now that there's a scheduling conflict with Wednesday? That just seems kind of weird. I don't know. What do you think on that? Um, Well, what I know is she was fired for posting pro-Palestine viewpoints comparing the situation in Gaza and Palestine to concentration camps. And she's not wrong. Oh, okay. Um. She said, you know, as this is paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact thing. She says, as a woman of color, I know what it's like to be, you know, to be a woman of color. And we have people in Palestine that can't leave. They don't have access to water. They don't have access to, you know, all the stuff. Mm -hmm. It is a tweet that should not get anybody in trouble. 
Um, because I honestly don't like her in Scream. I mentioned this on Slashers, so if you listen to both, I'm sorry for repeating myself. I don't care for Melissa Barrera in Scream. I don't really like her character. That's when I heard that they dropped her, I was a little excited. I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm kind of over her. Like, I don't think she's going to be the next ghost face. I mean, if they do, she just doesn't sell the femme fatale look for me. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And so I looked into what happened, and I was like, why would she be posting, like, hateful stuff about minorities? Like, she is a minority. And I read it, and then I got mad because she was fired. Okay. I got mad because she was fired for that. Okay. Um, I think people got defensive because she said something like, you know, you're only hearing the Jewish side of things. I wonder, or not the Jewish, the Israel side of things. I wonder why that is, which people took as her saying the stereotype that Hollywood's ran by Jews to me. Oh, and that they control that bad and that they control the media or something like that. Yeah. And so, so she was dropped, um, with Jenna Ortega. I'm 90% sure she told them she was too busy with Wednesday before all this happened. Oh, and okay, I think okay. when I think when all this happened, people were like, well, Jenna Ortega better quit too in solidarity. But the thing is, I think she already did. If she didn't previously say, because Wednesday is what's making her big. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, we all love her in Scream, but Wednesday is where her paycheck's coming from. So I totally get it. And it's a show. It's not like a movie, you know, couple of weeks to a month and then you're done like this is a show Mm -hmm. and so i think that if that even if she didn't leave for scheduling conflicts i feel like she probably would have quit Hmm. okay in solidarity because her and melissa have both spoken very pro-palestine so regardless of where you stand you do need to make not you but everybody needs to make a conscious effort to research what's going on because there is a lot of one-sidedness to i mean the bad thing is people are dying in both countries yeah like that, a- at the end of the day when it comes to war our government send us to kill each other when we're not even the ones like it's the government that's screwing everybody over like that's one of the reasons why i just think war is stupid you're sending other yeah. people out to do your dirty work and the small people are the ones that are going to have to pay for it. Yep. Neither here nor there. <laughs> that is what happened with Scream 7. Okay. Um, yeah. Like I, I didn't, I don't know. It's not that I didn't care. I just did. I didn't research it and I didn't cause I, you know, that's the problem with researching it on the internet. Sometimes you get mixed, uh, mixed, you know, answers. So that's why I, st- I took the stance of, I don't exactly know what's going on, but if it was something terrible, then that's what happens. If it wasn't, then spyglass is just fucking stupid. Yeah, um, it's and it, it's difficult to wrap your head around it. I'm lucky enough to have a a pro-Palestinian Jewish friend because okay. usually like if you would think, you know, if you're Jewish, you'd be on Israel's side. But mm-hmm. like she's the one that's come to me and has been like talking to me about her frustrations with everything. And at first I was like, I don't know what's going on enough to know right. to have an opinion. But talking to her and then looking up stuff myself, I was like, oh, yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. Okay. So it just seems that Spyglass. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's a dumb decision, especially because it's really gonna, you know, it's, you know, it, I really, I really feel like the uh, studios should just stay out of things. You know what I mean? Like it's a social media platform for people to say what they want, as long as they're not like it's not, as long as it's not like hate speech or something like that, then whatever. So it's, it seems like a dumb idea because if it yeah. wasn't, yeah, if it wasn't actually hurtful, she was just taking a stance on what she feels you know what she believes in that, that's fine like so it's dumb for that reason it's also dumb because now they just completely fucked this trilogy up um i don't know how they're gonna explain this i mean i'm assuming you know it's scream so they'll probably have a pretty decent explanation because they're pretty good at stuff like that but i feel like this is just gonna be scream three all over again and uh because that one wasn't that great but at least they still had the main you know cast there uh, yeah <laughs> for, for that and it's one. Tr- it's it's tricky because I think they're banking on Nev Campbell coming back and being like, well, this is how we're going to fix it. And my fear is that if she comes back and they decide to pay her what she's worth, are people going to boycott her because it's going to look like she didn't back Ooh, this stance? It's just true. really stupid and really messy. Ooh, I, I feel really bad for, I forgot his name, but the guy who's supposed to be directing it, the new guy. Oh, Christopher Landon. Yeah. Yeah. Like that sucks. Cause 
you like we're giving you this shit on a plate and you have to fix it. <laughs> and he wasn't even yeah, so he's not even the direct he was the new director that came in because Radio Silence yeah. did five and six. And for some reason, I don't know why they I think they had scheduling conflicts, so that's why they're just producing. But yeah, Christopher Landon, who's done things like Happy That Day and Freaky is coming on to now yeah it's like here you go fix this like enjoy yeah. and it's like do you do you quit as the director because you 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 believe in what you know melissa was stood for it's like it's such a weird thing do, do i boycott this movie do i not go see this like what's what do i do i have no idea because i don't want to it's such yeah you're right this is a very sticky situation that they found themselves in like is it still going to happen um uh, there's per- apparently not a script yet ready for uh, for Scream Seven, so it might get canned. Who knows? But if it doesn't, it's like most of the horror community I know, I've seen it online, is basically boycotting the film. A lot of them are. I mean, obviously people will still go see it, but I know there's a vast majority of people who are like, "Fuck Spyglass, fuck Paramount." So I'm not sure what I'm gonna do if it if it does come out in theaters. I probably won't go see it in theaters if it ever happens to come streaming for free. Maybe I'll watch it, but I don't think I'm going to pay money in the theater to go see that if it comes out. But I, I don't know. Like, is it is it wrong of me to go see it? I don't know. It's a very sticky situation. I don't sticky think it's wrong of <laughs> you to go see it. Just like I don't think it's wrong that I love Thanksgiving because Eli Roth came back with pro-Israel stuff. And basically oh. saying that all the Palestine stuff that we're reading is propaganda. Oh, um, oh, and goodness. so... You know, he isn't really suffering any consequences. I'm sure some people are boycotting his stuff, but I just think, you know what? It takes more than one person to make a movie. And that's true. If, if you boycott a movie because of Eli Roth, you know, you're going to, if it doesn't work out, it's going to affect all the, the people that have worked hard on that movie. Now, okay. the production studio is a little different. Like, that's a bigger beast. Yeah. Um, but I also just don't think that you should get fired for opinions unless it's hate speech or harmful to people. Yeah. That, yeah. That's kind of touching on kind of like what I said. Yeah. As long as it's not like directly hurting someone, if you're standing up for what you believe in and what you think is right, then yeah, I think the studio should just mind their own fucking business, but no, they had to get involved and had to create this whole shit storm. And uh, I guess we'll see where it lands. Uh, I know that the SAG after strike is now over. So things are starting to get written again. Like I know Chucky Chucky season three, part two or whatever it is, is like they're back in production and a whole bunch of other stuff is happening. So I'm sure more stuff will come, you know, in the in the in the coming weeks uh, about what's going on. And of course, I'll be able to keep everyone up to date on that. But yeah, it's, it's a very weird situation that Scream has found itself in. And you're right about the. I didn't even think about the whole Nev Campbell thing with her coming. Yeah, if she comes back, then are, are we going to boycott her? Oh my god, I can't even. Let's move on to more positive things here because I can't even with Scream right now. Your girl, fucking Jenna Canal, is going to be in a new movie. Ooh. Oh, Which one? it's called a. Um, so a stranger calls in this new Night of the Missing movie. Um, each December brings a new round of holiday-themed horror films for us to sink our teeth into, and this year is no exception. In fact, the Christmas horror season's kicking off a few days early on November 28th, which was two days ago, with the arrival of Screambox's Night of the Missing, starring horror icon Bill Mosley from The Devil's Rejects, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, and Jenna Cannell from Terrifier. Uh, Samuel Gonzalez Jr.'s Night of the Missing is a holiday horror anthology that tells the following tale. Quote, on a stormy Christmas Eve, a secretive sheriff gets a visit from a mysterious woman who recounts a series of bizarre stories involving missing, missing persons. As her stories begin to unfold, the depraved deeds of the sleepy town find themselves coming to life, conjuring vibrations of a disturbing telephone call, mysterious ice cream man, a missing friend, and broken promises with dire repercussions. As the disturbing tale continues to unravel, the most terrifying revelation may be that the monster behind them is much closer than anyone thinks. That kind of sounds she like <laughs> she did it. Damn it, Jenna. How dare you? <laughs> um, did you know about this one? Had she had she told you about this one? Um, no, I just texted her. I said, ma'am, what is this movie I'm hearing about? <laughs> um, so she's in trouble. But usually sometimes she'll she'll when we talk about films, um, she's like, yeah, this film that I'm working on. Blah, blah, blah. So she went. We don't actually like name them. It's like, yeah, this thing that I'm working on. But yeah, um, she's been busy doing the uh, convention circuit. And yeah. traveling a bit, so I haven't 
had much time to talk to her. I've been seeing people post in the, I'm in the Art the Clown uh, Appreciation Society group on Facebook, and I keep seeing people posting pictures with her. And every time I see a picture of her, I'm like, Jenna's an awesome human being, every time, because I'm like, she's so cool, because she was on an episode, of, you know, a few episodes back where we talked about Terrifier, and she's back on in the uh, Pride Month episode, Pride Month episodes. It was a really great conversation, honestly. So yeah. it'll be nice to see her on the screen again, because I know she's also got a whole a bunch of other stuff that, oh, when's uh, Spray Bottle? What's the update on that? Is that one out yet? That short movie? That one's doing the, yeah, so that's a short doing the festival circuits. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully, the good thing is the longer it's in the festival circuits, the more awards that it can get and stuff and um, notoriety and stuff. So yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, it does good things for her and me because I'm selfish and I was in it. <laughs> I remember seeing, I think she dropped a trailer for it or something, because I remember watching it, or maybe you did, and I was like, that looks really fucking good. I'm very excited to see that whenever I can. So, um, yeah, if you have Screenbox, this was already dropped, so go check it out. It's called Night of the Missing. I'm going to, I think Screenbox is only like a couple dollars a month from Amazon, so I'm going to try to... Oh, it's out already? Yeah, it came out on November 28th, so... And it's a screen, I believe it's a Screenbox original, so... I've been meaning to to resubscribe to Screenbox because I stopped because for a while they didn't really have anything that other people had. But now that they're making their own content, it's like it's like I don't know how to say it. <laughs> che- cheesy Shutter, and I love it. Yeah, no, it kind of it kind of is. I know exactly what you mean. But yeah, it's, if it's only a couple bucks, I'll probably subscribe because they are starting to make their own stuff. And I'm pretty sure Terrifier Two was exclusively on Streambox as well. Or screen stream box, same thing. Screen box. Um, let me see. Night of the Missing. There it is. Okay, it's got. It's, oh, it's only seventy three minutes. Okay, quick little horror anthology. I do love anthologies, um, and it's got Jenna Cannell, so it already has my. It already has my vote. I don't even need to see it to know I'm going to enjoy it. Um, so moving on down here, um, Nosferatu. Bill Bill Eggers. No, that's not his name. Robert Eggers is happening i believe it's coming out next year um the good folks at empire magazine are in the process of rolling out their big 2024 preview and today they've got our very first look at robert eggers nosferatu a remake of fw murnau's massively influential 1922 film uh vampire film of the same name it looks creepy moody and elegant pretty much what you'd expect from the director of the witch and the lighthouse so I'm excited for that. I don't know. I think it's coming out sometime next year around the holidays, but I don't know. Are you a fan of Robert Eggers' movies, The Witch and the Lighthouse, the A24 vibes? I'm a fan of The Witch. I hated The Lighthouse. Did he do Bo is Afraid, or is that the other A24 that, Yeah, that's Ari Aster. Okay. Oh, my. <laughs> they only bark on my podcast. It's fine. No, my dad just got home. Oh, okay. Do you need to go say bye? Not yet. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Another thing here. Uh, the Blackening is getting a sequel. One of the year's most underrated genre offerings is getting a sequel. Lionsgate and MRC are teaming up once again for a follow-up to this summer's horror comedy, The Blackening, which became an under-the-radar hit, so much so that the plan is now to turn director Tim Story's slasher flick into a franchise. According to Variety, the sequel is officially in development with writers Dwayne Perkins and Tracy Oliver returning. No word yet on plot details or a possible title, be it The Blackening 2 or something a bit more clever. There's also no indication as to whether the story, whether or not the story will return to the director's... Wait, what? I said that so wrong. There's also no indication as to whether or not story will return to the director's chair. Admittedly, it sounds like this one is in the very early stages as the studio have entered talks, quote, with the pertinent talent to get the project going. Producer E. Brian Dobbins is also due to be involved once again. Loved the blackening, thought it was great. Um, again, I don't know if we need a sequel. Um, it's something I feel like was would be a good one-off, but I mean, if they can do a good job with it, I am all about more horror comedies. So that's where I stand on that. I don't know about you. I liked it. I thought it was funny. Um, and I, you know, I love seeing um, horror from black content creators. And my only thing is I just, I hope some of the cast returns because I always hate sequels with like new people or like that, you know, I'm like, cause the, the original characters were really good and I liked them. Yeah. And uh, I don't even think any of them died. Spoiler alert. Um, so I hope they come back. 
I'm pretty sure they all. I know there was one that I'm not going to give spoilers, but I mean there was one person that died. But I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that because I'm pretty sure the tagline was the one where we all survive to the end or something like that. There was a tagline that was quippy oh. that said, yeah, where where they don't die at all. And it was, oh, it says we can't all die first or something. There like we that. go. Yeah, we can't all die first. Um, but yeah, the blackening was great. I thought it was excellent. And uh, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm down for a sequel. I'm just. I just don't think everything needs to have fucking. Not everything needs to be a franchise. Let's just have. Well, like one. you said about Thanksgiving, it's hard to have a sequel when you have a movie that had a specific killer with a specific motive to a specific group of people. <laughs> right. Unless they're going to do something. Because, I mean, there was a whole bunch of games in that little game room that they had, unless they're just going to, like, make a new board game. I don't know. But if it's the same people, they're not going to go back to the same B- Airbnb. So I don't know. It's it's, it's <laughs> like it's a very weird thing. But you know, I, I did like it. So hopefully, uh, and if, if it's if the same people are involved, then I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> last but not least, here we have Black Mirror is returning for a seventh season. According to a new report over at Variety, Charlie Brooker's long-running and consistently nightmarish Black Mirror will be returning to Netflix with a seventh season, one which they claim is set to go into production before the end of the year. The wait between seasons ought to be a bit shorter this time, um, because I believe the wait between five and six was a couple years. Um, Like any anthology series, and particularly Black Mirror, the latest season of Brooker's near-future sci-fi series was something of a mixed bag. Though it did feel like the most recent batch of episodes had more hits than misses. I agree, there was a lot of weird shit in this last season. Hearing that another episode, sorry, hearing that another season is nearly ready to go into production suggests Brooker had plenty more waiting in the wings when he wrapped season six. Says Variety, no casting has been confirmed yet for season seven, but Variety understands the show is set to go into production later this year with Brooker, Annabelle Jones, and Jessica Rhodes believed to be returning as executive producers. Plot details are still under wraps. Um, Black Mirror fan, are you? I don't know why I said that like Yoda. That was a weird way for me to say that. (laughs) Do you watch that show? Oh, no. Here we go. No, it's they're good. I love the Salma Hayek one. They're good, but it just... I don't have time. That's like, usually that's usually what you, yeah. That's usually what you tell me, Austin. I just don't have time. <laughs> I haven't seen the second season, or I think it was I don't remember. And there, I always liked them. Like the first season was cool, but when I hear that they're coming, I'm like, I haven't even finished this last season. And by that, I mean I have I've only seen the first episode. <laughs> well, good news because I mean there's there's so there's six seasons. But there's only 28 episodes. There's like four four episodes or five episodes a season. So it's very. So it's basically one regular season for a 90s TV show. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's very low commitment. I think the sixth season, <laughs> yeah, sixth season only has five episodes. Yeah. Also, one of the things that I kind of like Black Mirror, they always have high quality content and good stories, but they they're those kinds of stories that dance between horror and not horror. Okay, that's true. And I'm also not a huge fan of that. That's true. Some of them are like blatantly horror, and then some of them are more sci-fi than anything because they they do kind of blur that line a little bit where it's like a horror yeah. sci-fi. Yeah, I know what you mean. So like that's the Salma Hayek one was great, but that is not a horror movie. But it was good. Yeah, that I think that was the oh the Jonas that was the first one. Yeah, Jonas awful. That one was crazy, and it also mm. had what's her face. I was sitting, I was looking at her face for the entire time. I was like, who are you? I'm like, oh, it's fucking chick from Shit's Creek. It's Alexis, Alexis yeah. from Shit's Creek. I and, forgot her name. Um, Annie Murphy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and I, I think it was due to the fact that she had the uh, gray stripes in her hair, and I was like, oh, yeah. who who the fuck are you? Um, so that's nice. I think, I think black mirror was season six, I believe was this. Yeah. This year. So season seven due to come out next year or something like that. That would be cool. I'm always down for that. Uh, but you do have to be, you know, a fan of the show. If you're going to, if you're going to continue to watch, I'm just surprised Netflix is actually still cranking out decent content here and there. They've actually stepped it up quite a bit. They have a whole bunch of new movies from like this year and the past, like, like three or four years. But I mean, they have to step it up because of that whole, Okay, so they said they were cracking down on passwords, but I still haven't been affected by that. Has any? Does any? Have you been affected by that? Where they were like, "This isn't your home base. You have to like get your own Netflix." Because I'm still using my parents, no problem. Well, I have my own because I'm oh, an okay. adult. But also, <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
Oh my goodness. No, my mother-in-law uses it and she said that she was having issues, but I think also she might just be putting the password in wrong. That's fair. <laughs> I have to go over and do that for my parents because they just don't understand it. And I'm like, I don't, why do yeah, I Yeah, because she's saying that she can't log in. And I was like, no, it'll let you log in. It's just going to give you an, an error because there should be an option that's like, no, go ahead and continue and charge me an extra like $7 a month or something like that. Oh, oh Netflix. Oh my goodness. Well, you can be on the lookout for uh, Black Mirror Season 7 at some point. I'm excited. Um, let's say we do this movie, eh? I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. I'm so tired and I have a headache. Austin, please, get it together. Please just disregard everything I'm saying. Oh my God. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Mikey, you have seen this, correct? This was, this, I believe you wanted to do this episode because this is one movie that you didn't mistake for another movie like Auntie Lee's Meat Pies and you ended up correct. hating <laughs> Yes, um, Cemetery of Terror, or I don't know how to say in Spanish, Cemeterio de Terror. I don't know. Yeah. Oh wait, where is the? That's no. That's that's the. Yeah, Cemeterio de de Terror. <laughs> yeah, Terror is so, still the same. <laughs> you know, I talked about going to Dismember the Alamo this past year, and it kind of sucked. But I went to Dismember the Alamo for the first time last year, and this was the first movie that they played, and it was like three or four days before Halloween, so it was perfectly on time. Nice. And I've never seen it, and I was watching it, and I was like, wow, I really enjoy this movie. And then that night, I came home, and it was on Tubi. And so I was like, this movie's been in front of my face this whole time, and I've never seen it. And uh, yeah, so when you mentioned doing it for, was it Vinegar Syndrome? Yeah. No. Th oh, yeah. Welcome back to November Syndrome for uh, no the theme of November, where we are doing all Vinegar Syndrome titles. Yes, you're welcome. That was your cue. Um, <laughs> I was like, heck yeah. I was like, well, Halloween's over, but I'll still watch it. Yeah, I, I forgot that it took place on Halloween, and I was like, oh yeah, it's, it's Halloween night. I was like, this probably would have been more suited for you know like October, but hey, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So I have not seen this one, but I have seen a movie that the director did called Grave Robbers, which is kind of a similar vibe. Um, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed Grave Robbers. That's why I picked Cemetery of Terror, because it was the same director, and the plot just sounded fucking crazy as shit. And it was a crazy as shit movie. Um, I was I was kind of blown away by how much I enjoyed this, even with how much was going on in the story. Because you have like three fucking different plots. So you, you get like three movies in one on this on this movie, yeah. and I'll tell you exactly how in in just a minute here. But it is Cemetery of Terror from 1985, released on December 12th of that year in the United States. It's rated R. We have mild sex and nudity, moderate violence and gore. No profanity, weirdly enough. Um, mild alcohol, drugs, and smoking, and moderate, frightening, and intense scenes. This is an hour and 28 minutes. You're in and you're out. Listed as a horror thriller directed by Ruben Gailindo Jr., who, like I said, also directed Grave Robbers. It was also written by him. He also wrote Grave Robbers. And then it was also written by Carlos Valdemar, who wrote, uh, who had like 219 writing credits. So he's done a lot of shit. And he also wrote Grave Robbers as well. That's probably why these movies vibe so similarly, because the same director and writer did them. Um, composed by a man named Chucho Zarzosa, which is a very fun last name. I really like that <laughs> name. <laughs> and the first name's pretty fun, Chu yeah. Chucho. Chucho, yeah. <laughs> um, he composed a bunch of Spanish films from the 60s and 70s. Uh, uh, cinematography by Luis Medina, who again also did a lot of cinematography for Spanish films of the 60s and 70s. Nothing that I recognize. Um, it's also the DP was Rosalio Solano, who has 199 credits and also did um, Spanish films from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Then we have edited, dude, this is the most credits I've ever seen, actor or, you know, like BTS. Edited by Carlos uh, Savage, who has 558 editing credits. That is fucking crazy. Damn. Yeah. He worked on Spanish films from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and of course the 80s, but primarily those uh, decades. Um, well, I wonder if he worked with his dad because, uh, was it R Roberto Gai Galindo? What was his name? Yeah, uh, Ruben Galindo Jr. Ruben Galindo Jr. His dad, of course, is just Ruben Galindo, and he's a <laughs> filmmaker from the... 60s i believe so oh. i wonder if people that work with him also work with his dad his dad made like pulpy mexican horror movies oh i bet i mean yeah that would make sense because uh, a lot of these people made much earlier films and uh galindo jr did like you know 70s 80s and 90s so that would probably make sense yeah, yeah. that would make sense and 
I don't know if you've seen the Joe Bob episode, but Joe Bob did a movie that I thought was going to be Cemetery of Terror. And I was like, oh, I'd love to hear Joe Bob's like <laughs> take on it. But it was his movie, Ruben Galindo Jr.'s movie, Don't Panic, which is hilarious. Um, and this filmmaker really likes to mix uh, like <laughs> Satanism with teenagers. <laughs> oh, really? Is that in yeah. Don't Panic as well? Yeah. And I think isn't Grave Robbers something similar? Yeah. So Grave Robbers is... Um... Yeah, it's it's basically they they go. So no, it's um in a modern day, a group of teenagers treasure seeking grave robbers accidentally uncover a hidden tomb, dislodging the axe in the process. Yeah, so it's they go to rob the grave and they awaken ancient evil, which is basically what the yeah. teenagers in this similar. Do. Yeah, very similar. They go. We'll get into it. It's this this movie is so unhinged. I loved every second of it. I was not bored at all. I was a little confused in the beginning, but then it kind of explain. It's very weird. The movie doesn't really explain itself until it finds it until it finds it like necessary because there was a few scenes where I was like, "Hmm, this is a real head scratcher." And then like later on a scene would just explain everything and I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm back up to speed now." Um so we've got a pretty big cast here. There's like I'm not going to get into the the children who were in this movie just because like there was like six kids that were in this movie and they didn't really do much. But the main I'll like <laughs> the main teenage cast, uh, well, the first, not even the teenagers. We have Hugo. No, I, don't, I don't know who you are. Stop calling me. We have Hugo. Here we go. What? I was about to get canceled trying to pronounce these names. No, no, I got this. Hugo Stiglitz as Dr. Cardon, <laughs> who has 275 credits. Um, and was his top build was instructions not needed as Johnny Bravo. So I don't know what that is, but that was his top build. Then we have Raul Meraz as Captain and Sira, who was also in La Valentine as Captain Luis Benitez. We have Rene Cardona the third as Oscar, who directed more than he acted. He had like 48 directing credits and like 24 acting credits. Then we have Servando Manzetti as Jorge, and this is his top build movie. So that should say something about what he's done. Um, then we have Andreas Garcia Jr. as Pedro, who was also in Like Water for Chocolate as Alex Brown, whatever that is. Then we have Erica Buenf Buenfil as Lena, who did so much fucking Spanish TV shows. I counted them up, and she had like 1,500 episodes of Spanish like telenovelas or something. And I'm like, holy shit, this lady fucking, yeah, she fucking works. Then we have uh, Jacqueline Castro as Mariana, who was also an Ali G in the house as mom. And then we have Edna Bolkan as Olivia, who was also in Revenge as Roxanne. This had an estimated budget of question mark and a worldwide box office gross of question mark. It was filmed in Brownsville, Texas. Do you know where that is? Of course I do. Okay. I have a fun story about that. Oh, do tell. So when I was watching it, I couldn't figure out, first of all, if this was spain or mexico because they're speaking spanish but they're very light-skinned hmm. um and so i was like hmm i have to look up later on if this is like a spanish movie or if it's a mexican movie and then they're driving and in the background you can see a water burger and i was like that's texas because <laughs> there's no other water burgers anywhere else and so when i did the re when i did the reach i was like oh, it was filmed in brownsville so it's a mexican movie filmed in brownsville okay so, kind of like how we always film in canada <laughs> i don't yeah. know what it is yeah i don't know what it is but it's always in Can yeah all all those new york shots you're like that's canada um yeah. that's hilarious we we used to have a water burger here and then it closed and then i think then i think the closest one to me is in jacksonville which is like two hours away which sucks because i love i love water burger um you can watch this on AMC Plus and Shudder if you do care to check this out. Movies that came out around the same time, we have Once Bitten, Rocky IV, The Color Purple, Out of Africa, and Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. Boo <laughs> freaking ya. Did you have a specific horror moment, Mikey? Oh, yes. Oh, do tell. going to give away the ending, though. Basically, the ending when That's all the fine. people start coming out of the grave. <laughs> that, was, that was great. Um, mine was actually... So, it's weird... Typically, my horror moment is like something spooky on screen or what you just said with all the people in the graveyard. Mine was actually a, a bit of dialogue when the doctor was talking about cremating Devlin just because he was very persistent that they like cremate him and not bury him. And he was talking about how like he is like a demon and all this shit. And I was like, you know what? That's like, I, why are we not listening to the doctor? Why is the captain just brushing this off? What's the difference of cremating him or burying him? He's going to be dead either way. Why don't we just cremate the guy? 
Dr. Cleavage. Yeah, Dr. Cleavage. I don't know what this guy's thing was about keeping his shirt unbuttoned. Even like when he was like in the beginning, he starts off naked in bed. Yep. And so I was like, was, okay, oh, well, you know, whatever. Hello. People sleep naked. And then like <laughs> in the end of the movie, he's walking around like he's Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I still know what you did last summer with his buttons all the way down, <laughs> roaming his cleavage everywhere. Oh my God. And then even Pedro at one point when he's making out with uh, Lena, he had his shirt down and just like cupping his nipple. And I was like, what is this shot? I was like, if you're gonna just just take the shirt off at that moment, at that point, <laughs> goodness. Now I know why I like this movie so much. And that one guy is always <laughs> having this white button up that's like soaked. I'm like, you shouldn't even be wearing a shirt. At this shouldn't point. even be. Yeah, just take it off. God. Um, was there a favorite kill that you uh, had in mind? Uh, yes. So the white guy, I'm the white guy, the guy in the white <laughs> shirt that was always wet when he's outside. And let me just mention that when I first saw this movie. I wasn't really a fan that this guy kills with his fingers, I guess. Like he slashes people yeah. like he's a cat. Um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of dumb. But the guy, when he goes outside to look for his girlfriend and the killer runs by and scratches his face and scratches the other side of his face. And he's like, Ooh. and then like the killer runs by again, like basically like scratches his lower abdomen and like everything falls out. Yeah. That was pretty gnarly. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I believe that my favorite kill is right after that because it's that girl when she goes into like she tries to hide in the little wardrobe which doesn't work because he comes in and he just like takes his hand shoves it into her stomach and just like pulls out her guts and just keeps pulling out her guts and I was like oh god that was more than I fucking bargained for with that one Um, it was really good there was a lot of good like pulpy moments there yeah Um, did you have a favorite character I did, and if we don't really know her that well. But first of all, all the kids were my favorite, the, the little kids. <laughs> yes. I thought they were so cute. Um, I was genuinely afraid that some of them were going to die because there's like six of them, like you mentioned. Yeah. But there's there's a little girl. I forgot what she's dressed up as. And these kids are dressing up as like kid-appropriate costumes. It's not like you watch these days and kids are out there like – what are you wearing? Like these right. kids are wearing like old school, like cute costumes. Mm. And she has like the really long hair. She's the one that has the book. And um, what's his name? I think was that, the was that Usi? Was that Usi? USI? I think that was her name. Yeah. Her acting was just like when he was like, had her in a trance and she was like staring at him crying. I was like, Oh my ovaries. <laughs> so she was your favorite. Yeah. She was so cute, but okay. I did like all the kids. I was going to say that my favorite was basically all the kids, but Uzi or Susie, whatever, has a special place in my heart. Which is funny because you, because a lot of times in horror movies, the kids, you know, they can be annoying. Suck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They either suck, they're not good at acting, or they just suck as characters. But like all these kids were so likable, and I, I enjoyed. Yeah. They weren't in a lot of the movie. They were, they were probably in, you know, like I'd say like a third of the movie. They were sprinkled in here and there, but then like the movie completely shifts focus to them at the end, which I found, yeah. which was fascinating. I was like, oh shit. They do a switcheroo because it's like all the teens are dead. Yeah, all the all the. <laughs> I remember watching it. And I'm like, okay, we're at like 45 minutes, and all of the teenagers are dead. What's the plan here? I like he ripped through them so quickly, and I was like, I don't understand how we're gonna fill another 40 minutes here. But they sure yeah. did. Um, and I was trying to figure out who the final girl was. I thought it was gonna be the girl with the long, like, dark blonde hair. Mm -hmm. When she's in the when she's in the room looking at her boyfriend peeing and she's like laughing and I'm like calm down it's not that funny <laughs> I thought that was gonna be the final girl because she seemed like the most typical final girl material yep. for the eighties but nope she dies nope. the final girl was six children <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, my favorite character was probably the doctor just because he was the only one trying, like, he was, I mean, he did some shady shit. Don't get me wrong. Like signing that, uh, thing as the judge. That was pretty shit. But I mean, like he was trying, he was, was trying the good. Yeah. He was trying to prevent all of this from happening. So I liked yeah. his commitment. He wasn't just like, ah, fuck it, whatever. This will happen. He was like, no, nah, we, we got to fix this. So he was the most determined. Um, I think my least favorite character was probably the captain and mainly because he just brushed off everything that the doctor was saying. And the doctor's like, you don't understand you weren't working with this guy like i was and the captain's like ah blah 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 um yeah. did you have a least favorite character i had three the oh, teenage shit. boys oh my god they were the worst i was like these are the worst guys ever ever, ever. i don't know how they have girlfriends they were just <laughs> all i don't use this term lightly so if i say they're gaslighting they're gaslighting and they're like first of all it's a, they trick their girlfriends to going into an abandoned mansion by saying that they're going to go to a party. Yeah. They make one girl give up her plans of going to a concert to do this. And the girls are like, uh, 
And then like the guy's like, oh, I found this Satanist book. I'm going to read to it. And the other guys are like, let's read it to the girls and make it scary. And of course, y'all get killed and chased by a mass Satanist devil person. That's what happens. Yeah, there's a, literally a point in time where I think it's Jorge. I, bl- I believe he had the genius idea because they, he started reading from it. And they're like, no, 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 stop. That's like, this is spooky. And then the, all the girls just left the room. And he's like, I got a great idea. We should read to them and scare them. And then that'll, they'll make, that'll make them fall right into our arms. I'm like, that is the stupidest fucking shit. Where's yeah. your head at, Jorge? God, blood is rushing to the wrong part of your body right now. Need to be thinking with the head up here. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite line is from the captain because at one point he tells the doctor, he says, this is the 20th century. The devil doesn't exist. And I was like, I don't, what does that mean? How does the, is the devil just dead? When did he die? I was like, that doesn't even make sense, sir. The devil is always around. God. Um, did you have a favorite line? No, but I had a, a very annoying line. Cause I was oh, like, yeah. mm, it's kind of hard because the lines are in Spanish. And as someone that kind of speaks Spanish, I hear what they're saying and I see the literal translation, but that's not really what they're saying. It's okay. kind of one of those things. Yeah. But I was like, if this girl calls this concert Concerto de Rock one more time, <laughs> like that's rock concert. But if I'm going to a concert, I'm not saying, Austin, I'm going to a rock concert. Yeah. Like that is that is like AI talk. <laughs> you, you say who you're going to go see. Yeah. Like, what are you, an NPC? I don't understand. Yeah, or like if it's a festival, I'm going to go to like Warp Tour. Sorry, I aged myself there. Um, <laughs> but I've never heard anybody say I'm going to a rock concert. And she says it like six times. She did like, say that a Who lot. Who wrote this? <laughs> Ru- Ruben Gallindo Jr., you son of a bitch. Uh, I don't know how they do things in Mexico, sir, but. This is different here. Uh, IMDb summary on Halloween. A group of medical students steal the corpse of a serial killer from a morgue and raise him from the dead, inadvertently putting themselves and a group of young neighborhood children in danger. So like I said, you get three storylines in this movie because it opens with the doctor and the captain and they're talking about this guy named Devlin and how he was in the doctor's care for quite some time. And they're talking about how they're going to get rid of his body because he died. Did they explain how he died? I don't remember. I don't think they explained. Devlin? Yeah, was that the the dream that the doctor had? Because the beginning opens up very weirdly. It opens up on the doctor, and it goes like the screen kind of does this wavy thing, and you're like, okay, we're going into a dream. And it shows just this guy ripping through people at a hospital and then getting shot by the police. I assume that's how he died? Yeah, that's that was him, basically. Okay. Like how he died was just getting gunned down after killing that girl in the hospital. Yeah, and that's when I was I was already confused. I had to rewind it and watch it again. I'm like, nope, didn't miss anything what's going on here and they don't you don't you don't even really get an explanation you just see when devlin gets like resurrected when they when they when they like reanimate him in the graveyard you see his hands and i was like oh those are the weird hands of the killer from the beginning i was like i guess that was how he died or whatever so you don't even really get like a literal explanation you just kind of get you have to put the pieces together yourself so you do have to be paying attention um so Mm. that's one storyline where they are Doctor and Captain are on like this fucking Scooby-Doo adventure where the kids have stolen the body of Devlin and now the body is not at the morgue. So the doctor and the captain are looking around town for this body and where it could be. And then you have the story of the kids who are trying to raise the fucking like what what was Jorge's thing? He was like, oh, they, they go to the abandoned house because they're supposed to go to a jet set party. Whatever the fuck a jet set party is. I tried to Google that and couldn't find anything. Well, I think a jet setter is just like kind of like a socialite. Uh, it's just a term like okay. we're going to go party with a bunch of jet setters. That would um, be my first my first question to them would have been like, how do you know these people? Not just like, yeah, let's go. I'd be like, how do you know these famous people? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe I you, Jorge. Um, it's a mess. But, it, you know, I also just to kind of interrupt for a moment. No, go. What I really like about this movie is it feels like a movie I would have seen as a kid that now isn't very scary, but would have like creeped me out. Oh, yeah. Um, because it's it's movies that we don't really see anymore, like skeletons coming out of the grave, like very campy, but like still keeping it creepy by taking it seriously and having pretty decent effects. And I loved it. And I think it was very comparable to John Carpenter's Halloween in the fact that there's just so many like jump scares, quote unquote, like when the little girl's like, I need to take a break. And she's like by the grave and like the zombie comes out of the gravestone all slow like with leaves. Oh, and I was yeah. like, that, like, that's like a scare that would be in like the original Halloween. So I loved like, this is basically a Halloween if Michael Myers was a demon. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like Halloween and it's like Return of the Living Dead. It, it's like a few different movies kind of just mashed into one. And there's a lot of tonal shifts and changes. Like, you know, so you have the second storyline of the kids who find the book in the abandoned house. And it says Devlin right on it. And I was like, okay, that's an easy connection. <laughs> Got it. And then they start reading out of it. And then they get a great idea to, like, I think it was Jorge's idea. After he had the great idea to read the book more. Hang on. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to say uh, bye to my dad. I'll be back in a little bit. Okay. Yep, that's fine. Uh, so let's go to my notes here. Oh yeah. So Jorge had the brilliant idea to, like I said earlier, scare them and read from the book. So that way they would fall into their arms and then comes up with the even more brilliant plan that they are going to invoke the dead and raise someone from the dead. And they're like, they're like, where are we going to get a body? And he's like, we'll just go to a morgue and then we'll take it to the cemetery. And then we'll, uh, you know, just raise this guy from the dead. And for someone who, was very like pissed off that they were not at a jet set party and they were going to this mansion. She changed gears very quickly and was like, fuck yeah, let's go to the morgue and do this shit. Um, all, all the girls just seemed to change their tune real quickly because they were totally fine with doing everything beyond that point. But uh, the mansion you know, party, was that, was that was too much. I gave up a concerto de rock. What the fuck? Oh my goodness. I hate that term. <laughs> Uh, so that is the second storyline and then you have the third storyline which is a group of kids one of the kids or a couple of the kids are the captain's kids correct yes yeah well one of the oldest the oldest boy is that's right yeah so one of the boys is and they are going to the cemetery so they're trick-or-treating but they're like we're going to the cemetery i don't remember why they said they were going to the cemetery did they say why or were they just just going to have fun and get into shenanigans as kids I don't remember exactly, but I think it was just to have fun because they even hitchhiked there as safe as that oh, sounds. Yeah, well, it is it is um, the 80s, so, you know, a little, safe, yeah. little safer times, I would assume. Um, yeah, um, yeah, because they, they're not going trick-or-treating. I don't think so. They, they, they said yeah, they were, they, but, like, it was like, in the cemetery? <laughs> Do people hand out candy uh, that often in the cemetery? Because I don't think I want that candy. I think um, they just wanted to do like the typical, let's just be kids and that's fair. go to the cemetery. But also, did you notice they're jack-o'-lanterns? Yeah, they were like, they looked like watermelons. <laughs> what were they? I, it was, I think it was some kind of squash, either like, that or like super uh, not ready pumpkins because <laughs> they were like kind of green. I, but I thought it was really cool because they were like weird shaped, like, they were taller. Like mm -hmm. usually our pumpkins are wider, but they were like taller. It reminded me of like, you know how there's always stories, like what the original jack-o'-lanterns used to look like. Mm -hmm. Like I think they're made out of tur turnips or something. These weren't turnips because they were bigger, but <laughs> it was just interesting to see the different type of jack-o'-lantern from a different country. Yeah, they were, they almost, I think they had to have been like a big squash or something like that, or, or maybe a different type of gourd or something. But I loved yeah. that they had, you know, like an open flame in there. And then they just get into the van with the pumpkins. I'm like, you're, you're <laughs> going to set that van on fire. What the fuck? And the guy was totally fine with it. He's like, yeah, hop in, yeah. kids. And they got into a fucking like white van. Like that definitely looked like a, like, you know, like a pedophile van. I was like, this is, this mm -hmm. is not, this is not okay. Um, so yeah, I think that's what really, this why this story works so well. Because not only do you have three stories, but they actually intertwine them pretty well. Um, because eventually... You think that the doctor is going to run into the teenagers at some point, but they die so quickly that they they don't the doctor doesn't even have time to get to them because the doctor yeah. and the captain of course are are frantically looking all over town for this body and at one point the doctor even just steals the captain's car and goes off on his own because the captain makes a phone call to someone and the doctor's just like and he's dude the captain was so like nonchalant for his car being stolen. He was just like, "Uh," and then he calls someone. He's like, "You have to come pick me up. This jackass stole my car." Um but eventually the doctor runs into the kids in the cemetery because I, so I, I don't remember exactly like the kids are running around the cemetery and then they come across the house just by coincidence because the, I guess the house is close to the cemetery. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So they come across the house. Or does he hear screaming? I'm trying to remember. I know. I watched Why this, am I terrible at this? I watched this yesterday and I can't fucking remember anything. But the kids are in the cemetery and they go, like, I guess the house is just nearby. And they go into the house. And I love how they just completely miss the guy hanging from by his head. Because the killer at one point hangs this guy like Michael Myers style. And the kids walk mm -hmm. through the house and the camera is high up looking down at the stairs. And the kids kind of creep up the stairs. I'm like, how do, how do you not see that body? And they find the book. 
and on their way back down, all the doors lock. And that was a really cool moment when all the doors just slam shut and the kids get like stuck in the house. I thought that was super cool. But on their way yeah. back down, the kids finally see the guy hanging from the wall and they're like, oh my God. And then they try to run out, but they can't. Um, I did notice something funny though. When they were trying to get out of the house and they had that little spear or was it like a little axe? Yeah, it was like a little axe. It was an axe, yeah. So the kid takes it out of one of the guy, one of the teenager's head, um, and they go downstairs. And when he's breaking out of the window, you can actually see the axe break. Like, the spear comes off of it, and then he just takes the handle <laughs> and starts busting out the window. And then when they jump out and run around the corner, he's got a brand new, uh, brand new axe. I thought that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's Goof. great. Goof. Um, but then they eventually get stuck in the cemetery and can't find their way out, which is when all the bodies come to life and like reanimate. I thought that was so cool. You have hands coming out of graves and everyone looks decrepit and gross and nasty. And I guess it's because the incantation was successful and they resurrected Devlin, but then they also just resurrected everything. Like they don't really explain it in, in depth, but I'm assuming that's what happened. I guess they just resurrected everything in a, you know, 20 foot vicinity or something. I'm not sure. Well, that's when it becomes the cemetery of terror. <laughs> At that moment. Um, I also found it funny, too, when they started doing the incantation, it started to pour rain. But then when the kids showed up at the same cemetery, there was no rain in sight. I was like, are we raining at the cemetery or are we not? I don't <laughs> Make understand. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Um, but yes, the doctor eventually, when the, and there's also another cool moment when the kids are in the cemetery trying to find a way to escape. They go to the gate that they came in. Uh, that they came in at and they try to like jump over it. But as soon as they try to jump over it, it like shoots up from the ground and it like gets, it's like, it shoots up to like 10 feet tall. And I was like, that was a really cool, I don't even understand how they did that, but that was a really cool effect that they did. Yeah. Um, and then the doctor eventually finally shows up at the cemetery. I'm not sure how he knew how to go there. I assume it's because it's the cemetery next to the house. And then he just blasts through the gate, tells all the kids to come with him. And then you get this crazy, like fucking fight sequence between the doctor and Devlin because Devlin's been terrorizing everybody, been killing the teenagers, been terrorizing the kids. All the living dead have reanimated and they're all around the kids. So they go back to the house for some reason and um, the doctor just gets into this fist fight with Devlin who is looking very decrepit at this point and uh, he has a very spooky face. I'm not a fan of that face at all. Um, Mikey left me. I'm just by myself now. It's fine. But, um, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> they, so they're getting attacked by the living dead. Doctor shows up to save the day. There's an epic battle. Um, and then the children find the book. And I guess the only way to destroy these things is with the book. And I figured that it would be destroying them in the sense of like having to read something out of the book or using the book against them. No, one of the kids just throws the book into the fire that's going on inside the house, which I don't know why there was a fire when it's an abandoned house, but that's beyond me. And all of the living dead just burst into flames. And that's how the movie ends or does it because at the very end, you see the doctor um, looking into the camera all devilishly. And I believe he still has the book. I will wait for Mikey to confirm. Oh my God. So sorry. My dog's knocked over my bookshelf. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> no! You're fine. You're fine. Uh, okay, that should be the last time I leave. Go. <laughs> no, I was talking about the ending where the kids uh, they throw that book in the fire and every everything like all the living dead uh, get lit on fire, um, and that's kind of how the movie ends. But uh, did the so at the very end when you see the doctor looking like he, the doctor looks straight at the camera and smiles. Does he have the book in his hand? Right. I think he had the book in his hand because like does he. I thought he did because he looks at the camera and smiles devilishly and it's like, and it's like this little like, oh, I guess he's possessed now. Even though they killed Devlin, they killed all, all the living dead. I guess the doctor's now possessed. And I would have loved to see like a fucking sequel where the doctor goes on a rampage killing spree. That would have been great. But um, yeah. 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 Because I think because his face is like. Um, Very spooky. Yeah. His face is, is done like Devlin's or is that his name? Devlin? Yeah. Devlin. Um, and so I think that like made me not look to see if he was carrying the book. Yeah. I was looking more uh, at the, at, at his face. <laughs> he was looking directly down the camera lens and I'm like, wait a second, that hasn't happened at all this time uh, or during this movie. But uh, yeah, I just, I love the ending. It's a very climactic ending where all the kids are in the house and they're being, you know, like 
all all the living dead are in there just like trying to get at them and i thought they were all goners i thought all of the kids were gonna die because they all at one point like one of the like zombies just has them all the kids at once yeah. and you're like oh god all these kids are not gonna make it and the doctor saves the day actually no it was the, it was the girl who takes the book and throws it in the fire and then everyone my girl isma or whatever her name is isma yes that's her name i like that <laughs> um but yeah i think that i just i like this movie it was it was better it's not that i thought it was gonna be bad i just figured it would be like a, a good cheesy 80s movie and it was but yeah the storytelling was surprisingly good and it, it didn't get convoluted even though there was like basically three different storylines they all intertwine pretty well and you get a great fake out it kind of subverts your expectations of oh there's going to be a final girl no uh there's not because he blows through all those teenagers in about 15 20 minutes and then it goes on to the kid it's just it's such a it's like a bait and switch almost you know what i mean like you think you're going to get mm-hmm. this and then you get a complete mystery you know, a misdirection so um any closing arguments final thoughts anything else you'd like to say that we didn't touch on um no i mean the movie is if you watch it today, it's cheesy or whatever. Um, but I think what works in its favor makes it still effective today is that it's charming. Yeah. It's charming and uh, there is a little bit of creepiness still to it, even if it is, you know, kind of silly. Yeah, it's a little silly, but there is still some really, really good parts. There's some decent gore. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, the acting, acting as well, from even from the kids, is great. Like, I, you actually really connect with the kids and they don't feel annoying or they don't feel like they're just there for no reason. They actually have a pretty, pretty big purpose. So um, if it wasn't for the kids then evil wouldn't have been destroyed. So, you know, Um, but (laughs) I didn't die tonight. Evil did not die. tonight. (laughs) So that is, uh, I almost said grave robbers. That is cemetery of terror from 1985. Let's go to some post review stuff here. Sadly, there was no taglines. There was no trivia. There was no goofs. I guess I gave you a goof, but, uh, with, yeah. the, with the whole spear thing, one. but that's about it. Rated 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. It has a dash dash on the tomato meter and a dash dash audience score. I guess not enough people have rated this. Um, I gave this a 4 out of 5. What would you give it or what did you give it? Uh, I think a 4 out of 5 is good. Oh, snap. There we go. It's a Frightmare certified. Uh, Frightmare certified. Slap. <laughs> <laughs> I expect that every time now. I should just add that to the sound clip. Um, yeah, just record me doing it one day. <laughs> Similar movies, according to Letterboxd, they didn't have anything for us. Boo. Similar Good. movies, according to IMDb, we have Grave Robbers, Don't Panic, Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell. That's hard to say. Say that five <laughs> times fast. Enigma and Enigmos Amuerta. What is Animigos? E-N-E-M-I-G-O-S. Do you know what that is? Animigos Amuerta. I know Muerta's dead, right? Probably Enigmas of the Dead. Enigmas of the Dead. I like that. Um, I got some funny reviews. I don't. I, did you get funny reviews? No. Uh-uh. That's fine. I have four here. So, number one. I'm a bad co-host. I knew I forgot something. I was even going through the list. I was like, my favorite character, my favorite yada yada. No, you're fine. And then I was. I have a couple here. So three and a half stars from Lou. Oh, rhymes with wow. I guess his name is Lau. Okay, whatever. Three and a half stars. Um, to be honest, would you rather go to a concert tonight or would you like to break into... Oh my God, phone. Fuck off with this. There we go. Now, Goodness. Now, girls, be honest. Would you rather go to a concert tonight or would you like to break into an abandoned house to find a spell book, steal a killer's body from the morgue and raise said killer from the dead in a spooky ceremony at the local cemetery? Reading your faces, I'd say we have a winner with option number two which I would so much rather do that. Three stars from Andrew Jupin, Jupin, wild Mexican slasher where a final girl is replaced with a group of final terrorized <laughs> children instead. And it kind of rules. And I have to agree with that. Um, three and a half stars from Michelle Parsons. It's amazing that some girls are scared to party in an abandoned house, but immediately jump at the chance to steal a body and say satanic verses over in a cemetery. Like I said earlier to each their own, I guess. Uh, um, last but not least three stars from men on film has an almost fulci swagger to it in that I have no idea what fucking happened um, <laughs> just hold on and wait for help probably the only instance we have of a kid willingly wearing Michael Jackson on their back thanks I'll be here all week <laughs> did you say that's called men on film men on film that's what their name was on letterbox <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness Mikey where can our listeners hear the sultry sound of your voice on your podcast you can hear the sultry sound of my voice wherever hot podcasts are sold at Slasher's Podcast. Boom. Sweet and short. 
Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Slasher app at Frightmares Podcast, or email us spooky at outlook.com. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at Dr. Proctor. You are Mikey and the T-Rex. Um, mm-hmm. Next month's uh, theme is modern Christmas horror, where we, were, we will be reviewing horror movies set around Christmas time or in cold climates from the past 15 years. We've got a lot of good shit coming up, and I'm very excited about that. So until, I don't know, two days from now, whenever the next episode comes out, stay tuned and stay spooky. Perfectly.